Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. Good morning, good morning. How are you today? I trust you're good. I trust you're well. And if you're not well, feel free to just let us know. We will pray for you. We have seen some miracles over the last couple of weeks uh, through prayer. So just, just uh, post on the, on, the, on the YouTube or on wherever you're, wherever you're looking. I'm going to start again because I just kept going. What the heck do you, what is the, what do you say, post? Just, chat box. I could, for some reason, you know, like Joe Biden, I couldn't remember the name. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I know, he did well. I mean, actually, I thought, you know, it was a much better debate last night. Much better. Okay, sorry guys. Yeah, I, I got it. That's all right. Hey, good morning, good morning. How are you this morning? I trust you're all well and good, and I pray the Lord is blessing you. If you're struggling, if you're sick, Feel free to just put it in the chat box and we will pray for you. We will contact you. We've seen miracles over the last couple of weeks that we're, we're blessed to see God moving. Uh, before I begin, I just want to remind you that I'm excited about Ignite coming November 10th. I want to make sure I get that date right. November 10th, it'll be live on Instagram, both ICC Bali and, and IFGF Bali. We had a wonderful time last time. We're excited about it. So uh, feel free to join us. And uh, that's, that's November 10th. On a, I think it's a Tuesday night, if I'm not mistaken. And then also, before I, I just want you to know that this is my last week on the series uh, Rebuilding from the Ruins. Uh, and then starting in a week or two, we will be uh, starting a series called Tell. Uh, we need to go into the highways and the byways and tell people about Jesus and watch what God will do. So I'm excited about that. You uh, uh, connect groups. We'll be uh, doing some stuff together. So anyways, let's jump into uh, today's uh, message. Uh, I just want to say that... Um, I want to just uh, say that this is my last week in this, so I want to kind of recap. We've been looking at uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, and in that we saw that like if you're going to start from the rebuild, like we've been in a season right now where things have been destroyed, things have been broken down, and it's time that we rebuild. And uh, as you do, I want you to do what Ezra does. The first thing they do is they rebuild the altar. It all starts with your relationship with God. And you need to sift through the ruins, find the essentials, and get your relationship right with God now. If you, if you are thinking about rebuilding and you haven't started with your relationship with God, don't even start rebuilding yet. Start with that very thing. You're at the altar of the Lord with your relationship and with sacrifices that give him, uh, uh, that will be a blessing to him. The second thing we saw is that when we, when we start rebuilding, uh, we, we what are we going to do? Are we going to look at the old or we're going to look at what's happening? A lot of times we compare what we're doing now with the past. And when we do that, when we look at the past, sometimes we'll find ourselves sad. We need to press forward and, and just begin to press forward and look at what God is doing. As it says in, in Haggai, it says that the, 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 the latter is going to be greater than the former. So what we're doing now is even going to be greater than what 
what we did in the past. So be encouraged and press forward. And then we looked at how when we start building, there is opposition. There will be haters. There will be those who will try to stop you. And, you, and, and, and so, you know, there's always people complaining out there. And so, you know, someone has to start. Someone has to be the one to get started. Why doesn't it start with you? And so when you start, don't listen to those who are just sitting back complaining. You cannot listen to those. You don't stop your work for them. And then you continue to pray, to pray, to pray, lay down everything in prayer. And then last week we began to look at Nehemiah and I was kind of stopped my thoughts when I first began to speak last week and we looked at how the question is, do we really want our city to prosper? I mean, is, do we really care? Do we really care about our city? Like sometimes we care only about our city so that it helps us. That's not caring about our city, that's caring about us. And we have to care about our city. We have to identify with our people of the city. We have to identify with what's happening. We are part of it. And so we need to come to God in that way. And we need to make sure that we really care about our city and care about the people. And so today, I want to look at Nehemiah. This is the last uh, message. Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall. That's where we left off. And he's rebuilding the wall. And uh, in Nehemiah chapter 5, he's in the middle of rebuilding. He's inspected the place. He's, he's going around. He's got a plan. Uh, he's got a game plan, as we've been talking about in the Bahasa gatherings. He's got a game plan. He's walking around, and he's making it happen. He's got people who has joined, even people who uh, maybe are not as skilled as, as can be to build a wall. They are still helping him. As a matter of fact, everyone is part of the work. And that's really how we're going to rebuild when we all come together and we, be, we begin to rebuild. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 5, something interesting happens. And so I want to just share with you a few uh, verses in Nehemiah chapter 5 so that you can kind of get an idea what's going on. So Nehemiah is in the, in the middle of rebuilding and then all of a sudden it says, about this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. And they were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. And so there are people who are working hard, they're trying to rebuild, they're trying to do things, and in the middle of it, they're kind of sacrificing and, and they're hurting and they need help. And so they're kind of crying out and saying, oh no. And then in verse 5 it says, he, they, they go on and say, listen, we belong to the same family. So like all the Jews. And as, as, those who, uh, as those who are wealthy. So we have wealthy and then we have those who are not so wealthy. And he says, our children are just like theirs. So he's saying, just because we, they're saying, just because we're poor, we're the same as the rich. So families, Jewish families, are Jewish families, whether they're rich or poor. Basically what they're saying is, we are all together in this. Okay, and they're right. And we're all together in this. And so when you're rebuilding, I, I'm jumping away a little bit. And I want to say this. We're, we want to rebuild. We want to rebuild. We're all part of the same family. And we got to remember that when one hurts, we all hurt. And so they're saying, listen, we're all the same. He said, yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. 
Now what has happened here is these people who are trying to rebuild, who are being part of the community and are poor, they're selling, or that's how they used to do it back then, they would sell their children into, into slavery. Not like the slavery you know, it's a little different than that. But they would become like servants of the rich, of the Jewish people who are rich. So they're selling their own children to their own family, and, and then the rich people are taking advantage, and they're actually even charging interest on loans they're paying. So the rich are taking care, uh, taking advantage of the poor here. And, and so that's what's happening. And then later on, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a passage in the middle where, uh, where Nehemiah talks to everybody and starts dealing with them and they, they repent and some, some things happen. And then he goes on and he says, listen, and he talks about himself. Nehemiah talks about himself and he says, I also have devoted myself to the work on the wall and refuse to acquire any land. So Nehemiah is also in this. So, hey, if you're, uh, if you're a leader, I'm going to say this, and if I'm doing it, you can tell me. If you're a leader and you're afraid to do something, you're in the wrong place. I remember one time when I was at this church, a big church, huge church. It was a big, big conference, and uh, it was, you know, it was a very good church, and they, were, they weren't hurting for money. Let's just say it that way. And I came into the, one of the rooms, and there was the pastor with a big table, and he was carrying this table over to the, the wall, and he was kind of arranging things. And I looked at him, and I, and I was a young kid at the time, and I said to him, I said, wow, I didn't know that when you became a pastor, you still had to do these things. And he looked at me, he goes, we all do the work. We all do the work. It doesn't matter who we are. Leader follower, it doesn't matter. We all need to be doing the work. If we want to rebuild, if we want to see something happen, we can never be too high to do something uh, than we think we're too, too, uh, we're too above. That's just, and Nehemiah was like that. And so he says, he goes on and he says, and I required myself, excuse me, I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. So he expected everybody to do it. I asked nothing, even though I, was regul- even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors of the land. And the provisions I paid for each day included one, and he goes on to this big number, and he says, and every 10 days I needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. These guys were drinkers, I guess. And yet I refused to claim any of the governor, uh, governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy load. So what we see Nehemiah doing, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, is he took it out of himself. He took it out of his own money to, uh, to help this rebuild. If you want to rebuild something, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost me. If we want to have something rebuilt, it's got to come from our own being. We can't just simply use everyone else's stuff and not use our own. And that's where Nehemiah was. So I love, who, I love Nehemiah. And so I want to just kind of talk about three things here in this passage and, and kind of give you a, a bit of a formula as you rebuild, things to remember as you rebuild, things to keep in mind and to keep focused properly. The first thing I notice in this passage and throughout all of Nehemiah is that Nehemiah's motivation never changed. He had a motivation and he 
from start to finish, he kept it. And when, uh, I've seen so many times where people's motivation changes as they rebuild. Uh, maybe they didn't even have the real motivation in the first place, but they all start out with good intentions. You know, can I say this? This happens a lot with politicians. They say they're going to start out with something good, and then, you know, halfway through things, you wonder, and they're kind of more for themselves than they are for the people. If you're going to rebuild something, you need to have the proper motivation. So I'm asking you right now, as, uh, when, when, are you, when you're motivated to rebuild, is it to get things back to normal? Trust me, if that's your motivation, that's a bad motivation. I believe God is trying to do something. He's trying to do some changes in our lives through this season, and he doesn't want us to bring us back to normal. He wants to bring us to a new level, a new normal. Something better than it was before. So if your motivation is just to get back, rebuild everything and bring it back to the way it was, I think that's a mistake. Second thing is, is, is your motivation just to satisfy your own desires so that you have money in your pocket, so that your family is fed. If that is your motivation to rebuild, I think that's not the motivation. At least that's not the motivation that Nehemiah had. And it's not the motivation that we should have. Is your motivation money, power, glory? Those are all things that are not godly. And that is not the motivation that God wants you to have, whether you're rebuilding your business, whether rebuilding your family, whether you're rebuilding your relationships. These are all the wrong motivations to have. You need to have the motivation like Nehemiah had. His first motivation was to restore lives. That's really what he said. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, he says... I know very well what trouble we are in. Notice he said we. He didn't say they. He wasn't in trouble. But his people, the, the Jewish people were in trouble. And when they're in trouble, he's in trouble. There is an I in we. There is an I in we. Even though it doesn't spell that way, it's definitely we are, the I am part of the we. And so when we are hurting, when we are hurting, I am hurting. When one piece of my body is hurting, like right now my ankle is bothering me, my whole body is affected by it because it's my body. Even though the hand says, hey, you know, that's not me. Yes, it is. We all are together. And Nehemiah says this. And he says, A Jewish, the, uh, Jerusalem is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall so that we can end the disgrace. His motivation was to restore Jerusalem and restore the people of God. Now you can have that motivation when you rebuild your business. Your motivation is to restore people's lives. You can have that motivation. That should be our motivation anytime we start rebuilding something. When we, when we rebuild our family, maybe we need to rebuild our family and our motivation should be to make sure our children are more loved than they were in the past. Or our wife is more loved than they were in the past. Rather than that I am satisfied now that we're rebuilding. See, don't use yourself. So his first motivation was to restore lives. And he really wasn't concerned about himself. The second one, he was motivated to succeed. He was over and over again. In, in Nehemiah, he says this in Nehemiah 1. He says, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me and what I'm going to, what he's about to ask and what you have put in my heart. So he wants success. Success is okay. But here's the interesting thing is, 
how do you define success? I want to give you three ingredients about what godly success is all about. First, success in God's eyes is obedience to God's instructions. That's success. If God tells you, sweep the floor, then if you're doing it, you are in success. You, you have to have obedience to God. That is godly success. Secondly, multiplying the talents that God has given you. It's all about multiplication. Success is always about multiplication. You have talents. He wants to multiply your gifts. He wants you to multiply who you are, your skill level. All of those things are part of godly success. God has given you all these gifts. Are you multiplying those gifts? And then finally, success is bearing much fruit. John chapter 15 talks about if you are my disciples, you will bear much fruit. It talks about pruning. It talks about cutting off that which isn't producing to produce much fruit. What is that fruit? We already talked about talents. I believe that fruit is multiplication of the kingdom of God and it deals with people. Are you multiplying when it comes to making more disciples? God has called his disciples to make disciples. That's fruit. And he says fruit that lasts. Fruit that lasts. There's only one thing that really is going to last, and that is souls. And so I believe that God is calling for us, for people to help people. That's why our, our vision is people helping people. That's why our mission is setting people free. It's all about freedom for people. It's all about people. Are you multiplying the kingdom of God? That is godly success. So this was one of his motivations. So his motivation was for restoring lives and he was, he was geared towards success. He wants success. When you start something, of course you want success. You don't want failure. You want success. Now, the second thing I see here in this passage is that Nehemiah was I mean, I think Nehemiah was quite a passionate guy. I think he was very motivated. He might even have had an A-type personality. Who knows? But he was, and so, you know, finishing projects was, was on his mind. Do you know that he finished this, uh, this, uh, this wall? He finished the walls in less than, I think, less than 60 days. Somewhere around there, 60 to 100 days, he finished building the wall. You remember I told you that they built the altar and it was like, I don't know, 114 or 150 years uh, uh, by the time they built the altar to the time that they built the walls. So all this time had gone by and then Nehemiah went to work. And so that's why I think he was a pretty motivated guy. And he got people around him and he got everyone motivated and he was doing the job. But here's one thing he didn't do. He didn't neglect what was important while he was doing the project. He didn't neglect what was important while he was doing the project. In Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1, it says what the people cried out. They cried out because they were hurting. Along the way, when you're rebuilding, and, 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 I, and I'm a pretty motivated guy, when you're rebuilding, a lot of times what happens is we get focused on the project. We get focused on what we need to finish. But we cannot forget what is most important. And what is that? People. Hurting people. People who are 
part of your project and people who are alongside your project, people who are alongside your business, people who are in your business. That's why I have to say, I was so blessed. There are so many people that I talk to, uh, business owners, who are, who are hurting inside because they don't want to uh, lay their employees off. They want to continue to pay their employees. They're doing everything they can. I know many who are taking money out of their own pocket and paying their employees, doing everything they can right now to make sure that their employees are taken care of. That is a blessing. If, you know, these companies that just slice uh, uh, employees. I just talked to someone last week who his investors told him to cut 30% of his employees. Cut 30% of his employees. His investors. And he didn't do it. And today he's very successful. Today God has blessed him. And he's, those 30 people are taken care of. And those investors are, are blessing him and giving him bonuses. Because his company has continued to... He cared about people more than he cared about projects. If we care more about projects than we do about people, we've missed the whole understanding of what God is calling us to do when we're talking about rebuilding things. So we must, along the way, pay attention to people. And so he, he got these people together. He did all kinds of stuff to make sure that people were taken care of. Remember in Acts chapter 6... When, Jeru when, when the church was taking off, it was just busting out. All of a sudden, widows were being neglected with food. So they stopped what they're doing, and they made sure that everyone was taken care of. We must take care of everyone. Look around while you're building, while you're rebuilding, and you're working on your projects, and you're so geared up on what you want to do. Make sure the people around you, if you hear any cries, make sure you're taking care of them. And that includes your family. And can I say it this way? I'll just say it this way. Sorry. Men, you workaholics, kind of like me, we cannot neglect our family while we're building. Our family is very important. And we need to, we are accountable and we are responsible for them. So make sure they are taken care of along the way. And then number, number three, remember, there is a difference it's very important that you remember this. There is a difference between taking advantage of a situation and taking advantage of people. See, in this passage, what was going on were the rich guys realized that there was a situation here. There was a, a, a way to take advantage and, and actually maybe make some money. So what did they do? They took advantage of people. And they enslaved their own people. And they took the children. And then they charged interest uh, uh, that wasn't supposed to be done back then. It's against the law back then to charge interest to your own people. So when you're in this place, because trust me, right now there are, there are some real advantages out there. There are some situations that you can take advantage of. Uh, you know, some of us have actually done staycations here in Bali. Why? Woo! Because the... The, 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 the price of the hotel is so good right now. Now that's not taking advantage of people. Not really. Because the, uh, the, they're, trying to, they're trying to make some money and you're trying to help them and so everybody wins. But if you're going into a deal and you are taking advantage of a person because they're hurting for money and you're just now taking from them because you know you can, I believe that's not a godly thing to do. And so when we're rebuilding, especially in this time of uh, a year when prices are good make it fa fair so that people are blessed bless people along the way remember 
you will reap what you sow. You know, I remember I, I worked for this guy. He was ruthless. I worked for him. He was a ruthless negotiator, man. That guy could negotiate. And so there was these certain, uh, I don't want to, you don't know what they are. They're called ferrets. But anyways, it's like a, it's a little uh, uh, chip. It's like a chip, a microchip. And very hard to come by. And we were doing really well in the business. And he took those sales guys, man, and he raked them. He was, he ruthless to them, ruthless. And he, he, he got those prices down lower than anyone else has ever gotten. The salesmen took a beating, but they knew they had to sell to him. Well, guess what happened? About a year later, about a year later, we were in need of those things. We were in need of those chips, but they were, there was a lot of people that wanted those chips at this time, and the sales guys came back, and oh boy, was it their turn, and our company got killed that time because he was so wanting to take advantage of things because of the situation. Don't take advantage of people, even though there's situations that you can, uh, you can enjoy. Yeah, remember that. It is better. Proverbs says this. It is better to have a little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Let me read that again. Proverbs 16, 8 says, It's better to, ha to have a little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Last thing. The thing I love about, about Nehemiah, and that's what I want to close with. I think it's a great way to close this whole series. We know that at the end, in Nehemiah chapter 5, he sat down and he fed hundreds of people during this whole project and never asked for a dime. What's he doing? When you're rebuilding, be generous along the way. Be generous along the way. When you get blessed, bless others. When, when you succeed, make sure others succeed. If you are growing and they are not, that is not what God desires in your, in your projects, in your businesses, in your families. Be generous along the way. Be generous to your children. Maybe you don't have a lot of money, but if all you do when you talk to your children is tell them you can't afford it, you can't get them anything, trust me, all they'll think of is, wow, my dad doesn't really give me anything. You can find something to give them. You can. Find something. Find time. And bless them with that, if that's all you have. There's always something you can give. So make sure along the way, when you're rebuilding, you are generous to those around you. In the scriptures, it says in the scriptures that when you're, when you're uh, harvesting the field, this is in the Old Testament, it says when you're harvesting the field, it says don't take the stuff that's like leftovers on the side. It says leave it. It says leave it. That's profit, baby. Don't take it. Leave it for the poor who can come along and enjoy that. And so that's what happens. The poor would come along and they would take what you left over. And so, but they leave it on purpose. See, they were being generous. And the more generous you were, the more you left for people. Make sure as we're rebuilding, make sure. Don't just target going after the project. Don't just target after making sure you finish the project. Don't just try to get back to some kind of normal. Let's live higher lives than that. Let's live lives that are filled with motivation to restore people's lives, 
to see God get the glory in everything we do, to see God even in our business practices, in our families, with our friends. And let's be generous along the way. And that's why I really encourage you right now, I'm going to pray a blessing over you. I'm going to pray for joy to fill your heart. Because you know when you're filled with joy, you just tend to be more generous. When you have joy flowing out of your heart, it's overflowing, you tend to be more generous. So I'm going to pray for joy right now in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you have blessed us in so many ways, Lord God. Father, anyone who is watching this, anyone who's watching this right now, Lord, you've blessed them with a phone or with a computer or with a television. That, Lord God, you've blessed them and, 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 and it's a blessing right in front of them. So, Father, I pray that they would see all the blessings that you have given them. Father, I pray that their hearts would be filled with thankfulness and joy. And, Lord God, it would overflow in generosity to others. I also pray in Jesus' name, Father, for anyone out there that's struggling. Father, I pray right now that you give them creativity. That, Lord God, you lift them up and you encourage them. And you, Lord God, have them to be motivated and, 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 and be successful in what they want to do. Give them creativity to know what to do. Lord, bless your people. Keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. And, Lord God, give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen.